Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fans Hockey Podcast. I was asked before that if the next time I do a part two to use an NPR voice for the intro to signify that it's not a brand new episode, but just the second half. And today we are going to be continuing our conversation with Victor Nuno from the Fantasy Hockey Life Podcast about rookies and Calder candidates for the 2022-2023 season. We had a lot of fun talking about all the players who you couldn't get at less than 20 to 1 odds, but now we're looking at some real value guys. So let me uh, transition back to my normal voice and get excited to talk to Victor about, like I said, at the end of part one, uh, some really high pedigree players, including a first overall pick, a guy who everyone thought was going to be a first overall pick, a goalie that has potentially the best opportunity of any of the goalies that are going to be available to win the Calder and potentially someone who could also end up being a really huge value in fantasy. And then another shark. So where do you want to start with these uh, plus 2000 guys? Let's start with Logan Thompson. I think Logan Thompson did just about all he could to get Vegas into the postseason. Uh, sadly for the Golden Knights, it just didn't quite work out, but he was great. I mean, the team didn't really offer him the best protection and he well outperformed his Delta Fenwick or his expected Fenwick save percentage, both uh, at even strength and tremendously on, on the penalty kill. So he was great. Of course, they went out and got Aiden Hill. All of this is is because Robin Lehner is going to miss the whole season. I really like Thompson a lot more before they acquired Aiden Hill and, you know, Brassois is injured. So he might come back at some point and they might have a few guys there that could eat up some ice time. So that's a little bit disappointing, but I really like Thompson. I think he has the best opportunity for all these guys. And apparently Hill and Thompson went to the same middle school in Calgary. That's kind of fun. So maybe that familiarity will bring out the best of them. I know they both kind of talked about that, about how that friendly competition is good, but you know, Brassois, has been a pretty decent guy, just just not, you know, hasn't had the volume. I really wish they hadn't made the trade for Hill. I think Thompson would probably be top five on my list if that were the case. Even so, I think that Thompson can rise to the cream of this not very good crop. I think that Hill has shown himself to be not very good. Brassois is kind of, you know, decent in a backup role. But Thompson has shown that he can kind of take the ball and run with it and get some consecutive starts in a row and be effective. And none of these other guys have really shown that. So I think at plus 2,000, that's a pretty good bet for Dogan Thompson. I have him ninth on my list. So just inside the top 10, he's easily the top goalie on my list. And I think that he's, there's no question. He has the best opportunity of any of them. So, and like you mentioned in redraft leagues, yeah, hard to not want the goalie on one of the better teams in the NHL. Certainly one of the best in the Pacific division, right? Alan? Yeah. And don't forget that like Brassois injured to start the year. So we're going to get Thompson at least to start. And then like Aiden Hill, you know, he only played uh, 25 games. He really struggled with injury last year. So there's definitely no guarantee that he's going to be able to hold up. So there's a decent chance that by the time Brassois comes back, maybe or maybe just Aiden Hill won't be very good. Like I think there's many like sort of outs for Logan Thompson to end up staying with the team. Maybe like Brassois ends up having a setback in his prognosis and doesn't come back as quickly as people expect. So there's a lot of ways that Thompson can stay. And I think while like while Brassois is out to start the year and while it's hill and thompson you know i don't know it doesn't seem like that cha- big of a challenge like I, I don't want to discount uh aiden hill here but uh, yeah thompson is the definitely the more exciting option and yeah if you could get him pretty late in your drafts you might end up getting a bit of a steal and yeah if you want to take a chance on the calder rookies i mean goalies don't tend to win the calder very often victor do you remember the last goalie to win i should have looked that up but i don't remember Do you have it in front of you yeah i got it uh so steve mason won it back in 2009 before that, Andrew Raycroft won it in 2004. It's pretty rare. Brian's favorite goalie, Steve Mason. Yeah, yeah. He really thought that Philly should be playing him more <laughs> back back in the early days of keeping Carlson. Thanks for uh, remembering our golden years. But okay, so uh, that's Thompson. Interesting pick. Want to talk about these uh, two guys who got just got drafted recently? Yeah. So Yuri Slavkovsky, Shane Wright. We'll start with Slavkovsky. 
I'm really not sure what to expect from Slavkovsky. He was a goal a game at the Olympics, Was has had a fantastic tournament. But again, that was just seven games. I don't think it'll be that. I also don't think it'll be five goals in 31 games that he had in Liga. Probably somewhere in between. That's again, if he even sticks in the NHL the whole time, which I'm not sure he will. There's a lot being said about his size. I mean, he is a large man already. Six foot four, 225 pounds. It takes a lot sometimes for those big guys to really become consistent. It might take him a little bit of time to really start producing. So I'm I'm just not convinced that that's going to happen. I know Montreal was much better under St. Louis and everyone's really excited about that, but they're still not a great team. There's a lot of holes in their lineup and Slavkovsky certainly is going to solve all their problems. I don't think they expect him to be a super good team. So why would they you know, expose him to, you know, some serious struggles when he can easily, he can, he's from Europe. So he could literally play in any league, right? He could go to the NHL. He could go to the AHL. He could go, they could get loaned back to Liga. He could even go to the CHL if they felt that was right for him. I don't think they'll do that, but it's, it's a kind of a mystery what's going to happen with him. You know, it's interesting too, because the NHL models don't really like Slavkowski that much. He doesn't have the best comps. You know, we were just talking about Ryan Hartman. He's actually one of the comps for him. Nick Felino, Steve Downey. He actually looks a fair amount like Miko Rantanen in this model, but I think that would be the super high-end outcome if everything went perfectly um, for Slavkovsky. So I just really don't think that's going to happen. Also, the last 18-year-old to win the Calder, Nathan McKinnon. So I'm, I feel pretty strongly that it's not going to be Slavkovsky uh, because there's just so far that he has to go. And big guys take longer. I would not make this bet at plus 2000. He's he's not even in my top 10, not even my top 20. I have Slavkovsky at 22. So I wouldn't waste the money betting on him. I think he has a real uphill battle, even to stay in the NHL the whole year, frankly. Yeah, I think he's the kind of guy that if you see in training camp that he's you know going to start the season playing with Suzuki and Caulfield, he'll be a fun guy to take in fantasy. But even still, maybe don't reach for him in your drafts because it might just be for a nine-game you know, try out before they have to burn a year and then they send him to whatever league like Victor was saying. So, you know, maybe don't get fooled. But uh, I mean, there's always the chance that the Habs just decide to, you know, even if they're going to be a bad team, they want to have like maybe a fun team and have some, they don't have trouble selling tickets though. So really there doesn't seem to be a reason why they should uh, use this year up. So yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if they keep him, but who knows what they'll do? There is potentially an opportunity there because we did, like when I talked to Arpon Basso, he was saying how like they were going to be excited to try out him with Suzuki Caulfield and see how he'll do. So uh, while he's there, I'd be interested, right? Like for a, you know, a stream or like to just add him early on in a league. But yeah, it seems like for the Calder, it's pretty unlikely because just we're getting to guys who potentially might not even be in the NHL. I, I'd like to at least have someone who's going to have a good shot if I'm, you know, putting down money or like, and but yeah, for fantasy, with a late pick, I like having a lot of players who I'm going to have for a short term and stream them out depending on the schedule and whatever. So he could be a really fun guy if he makes the team out of camp. Because if he makes the team, why not just put him in a great situation to produce? Why, like, why would they let him make the team and then put him on the fourth line? That seems like the biggest waste. Uh, but okay, so that's him. And then I guess Shane Wright. We, I, I guess I heard you talk about him on the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast, but just for the listeners here, like, do, do you think it was like a travesty that he fell to fourth, or do you think it was a, a deserving fall after a, a season where when I look at the numbers, I'm like, okay, those look like pretty good numbers to me in the OHL. But I guess he didn't score as many goals as people wanted him to. He had a really good OHL season. He didn't have the dominant OHL season of like a Crosby and McDavid that people wanted him to have, but yeah, I think some of the Shane Wright hate has gone a little far, but I don't think it was a major travesty. I think Slavkowski has the potential to be a Miko Rantanen unicorn type player that's huge, physical, with soft hands that can get in there in front of the net and bang goals home, but also snipe from the dots. He has that potential. Shane Wright does not have that potential, but Shane Wright is, should be a very good, very effective player. I was a little interested too that, you know, Cooley was taken at third, but I think Arizona was just had their heart set on him because they probably didn't think they could get right. And then they interviewed and spent a lot of time with Cooley. And so they took him. I think the real wild card was New Jersey, who just seemed like they wanted a defenseman. So they took Nemich. But yeah, I think Seattle, <laughs> Seattle was super stoked to get Shane Wright. And they have now two awesome centers and and Veneers and Wright. Pretty hard to argue with that. I think that, you know, Wright was the consensus number one pick in 2022 for years. And then, yeah, he slid all the way down to fourth. The thing about Wright is his game is already so mature. He's already a pretty strong two-way player. 
not actually one of the strongest in the draft, but definitely like a top five two-way player. And I think with Beneers, you know, he's probably the second best center there long-term, but he has the opportunity to kind of trade back and forth with Beneers. Our FHL scout, Jeremy, actually lives in the area and, and spent a lot of time scouting, right, which is kind of interesting. He's the He found he said he's the most NHL-ready forward in this draft, mature two-way, doesn't have any holes in his game. But the thing that's interesting is that his tools are all above average, but none of them are really elite that make them kind of slam dunk. So that's something that's kind of interesting. But his shot is really good, borderline elite. He has a quick release and knows how to slow the play down and look for passes when he needs to. He's also really good at protecting the puck. The problem with Wright is that it's NHL or CHL. And, you know, Seattle is looking like they're going to be a bit better. We talked about that earlier and with Beniers. And so if Wright isn't ready to make a significant impact in the top six, they might just send him back to junior, you know, to really dominate, put up two points per game, and then maybe come back. So he might not play the whole season. He still has tremendous offensive upside. I'm just not sure it's going to happen this year. Uh, I seriously doubt that he has enough to work with uh, there in terms of games played. And the young ones just tend not to win, you know. So at plus 2,000, I think that there are probably better options we'll talk about here. So I have right just outside my top 10 at 14. I like him. I just think that he probably needs another year um, to really come in and make a significant impact. So, yeah, I'm not sure that I would even be reaching for him in redraft because I think that, you know, there's 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 a better option even on his team, right, with Veneer. So I don't think that that's going to be very likely for Shane Wright. All right, makes sense. So let's say you had the opportunity to bet right now on the 2024 Calder winner. Who would you take between uh, Wright and Slavkovsky? Or do you have someone else in mind already that you think is <laughs> has a better chance? 2024 Calder? Well, I guess that wouldn't be Connor Bedard, right? Because he'll probably be in the, the league next year. But he would be the pick if, it, if oh, that were the so case. Oh, so right. So but Bedard... Oh, yeah. Well, no, that's next year, right? So I guess you're saying Bedard will get drafted and then come right to the NHL and oh, be yes. better than all these guys? Connor Bedard is going to be McDavid level. He's all right, well then. Amazing. McDavid didn't win the Calder. He was injured for a bit. I know. <laughs> and Panarin got it. But yeah. Uh, no, I hear you. Uh, so, okay. Poor right in Slavkovsky. They just got drafted in the wrong year. And now they're not going to have a chance <laughs> to win the Calder. Too bad. Okay. So, uh, and then we have Bordalo over on the Sharks. So, uh, you know, he also came up uh, at the end of last season, similar to Beneers. And he had five points in eight games. Looks like he got some decent power play time. Obviously, it was like, you know, garbage time for the Sharks. These games didn't matter. Uh now the but everything i just said about eckland and how basically it just seems like there's like three good sharks forwards and then a lot of openings outside of that but bordolo is a center and the sharks are good at center right like they've got couture and and hurdle so do you think this is a situation where bordolo is going to be like a middle sixer or do you think he like moves to the wing or what do you think he's a center bordolo should be a center he's actually a face-off whiz if you look at all of his uh, face-offs. He took a ton for the Americans at the World Juniors. He is someone who's good at on both dots, which isn't always the case for most people. He turns a stick around. He's tremendous in on the face-off circle. So even if he like ends up technically playing the wing, he's going to take a lot of face-offs. So he's going to be someone who probably plays down the middle. And maybe it's not right away, but yeah, he's so he was the second round pick for the Sharks in 2020. He just finished his second season at Michigan. That was uh, at least a point per game. So that was pretty tremendous. I definitely like Eklund better, as you mentioned, because I think he's more of a winger and he can slide next to one of those strong centers. I mean, Hurdle, Couture are good. Benino's a great third-line center. They also have Nico Sturm, who's like whatever. Um, but Bordalo, yeah, maybe he he has maybe he plays with Couture or Hurdle and slides to the wing but takes a lot of face-offs. That's certainly very possible. He was already amazing in the AHL. I mean, he played his first couple professional games and he was like the best player on the ice. It was, it was kind of comical. He was kind of toying with some of the opposition. And then yeah, when he played for the sharks, he did not look out of place at all. He was creating plays. He was fast. He was thinking the the pace of the game ahead of most other people. So I really like Bordolo. I wouldn't, if I had to pick a shark, I would definitely pick Eklund just because I also think, yeah, as you mentioned, being a center, he has a lot more responsibilities and might be relied on a little bit more heavily in defensive responsibilities, which the Sharks could really use because they don't have uh, too many great defensive forwards. Uh, but at plus 2,000, I think there's 
pretty decent opportunity there for Portolo. And I know the Sharks absolutely love him. There have been some talks of, you know, trade Niels Lundqvist, who's, you know, Rangers defenseman that's kind of been on the trade block. People are saying, oh, you should trade Bortolo for him. They're like, absolutely not. They will not part with him for just about anything. So there was also discussions of him going to Edmonton for Pugliarvi. Definitely did not want to do that. So they really like Th- Thomas Bortolo. I have him at 16th. I think there's a decent chance he gets significant NHL time, but he might also get bumped down to the AHL so he can build up his confidence and kind of dominate down there. So definitely think he's one of the you know decent uh, bets at uh, at plus two thousand, but um, you know probably similar to that Shane Wright range where there's just question marks, you know. Okay, yeah, I hear you. And by the way, Niels Lundqvist is no longer a Ranger. He's now been traded to Dallas, so that's done for. What? Conditional... When did that happen? Just like. I don't know, a few minutes ago. <laughs> We're recording this Monday evening. Looks like uh, Rangers have acquired a conditional first uh, in the 2023 draft and a conditional fourth. So I, I haven't read all the conditions yet, but it's a pretty good return for a guy who like wasn't going to even make the Rangers roster, probably. Damn, that's really good for Dallas. Oh, good for Dallas, you think? Niels Lundqvist is a really good player. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm mis- mixing up my guys here. There was like one on the Rangers beat writer episode. There was like one defenseman who was saying it was like good. And then one who was saying like really struggled last year. Well, he did struggle a little bit, but his upside is still pretty tremendous. Zach Jones was the one that I think most more people are excited about. And I think the Rangers were probably smart to keep him because Zach Jones is a little bit closer to being NHL ready. Lundqvist just kind of struggled a little bit with his confidence. And, you know, that's not terribly difficult to understand when he kind of played in, in different leagues and, you know, came over to North America recently. So, but there's still tremendous upside with Lundqvist. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, top pairing or at least second pairing in the next few years uh-huh. in Dallas for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, probably good for both sides. Right. But I really like the player. Okay, cool. Well, good to know. Congrats Dallas fans. Uh, also, uh, I guess since we're talking about news really quickly, uh, the news came out. Did you hear that Sean Couturier is potentially going to yeah. be out for like the whole season? So that, you know, that's really nice though that it happened the day the Cup full draft started. So at least most people probably weren't to Sean Couturier range. So at least now they know. Yeah. Ooh, I wonder if we should like proactively go and remove Couturier. No, I guess we don't have to micromanage that much. So yeah, people hopefully are smart enough to know now. He'll have a big red flag beside him now if you go to draft him. So hopefully people will know not to draft him. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, move uh, Kevin Hayes up your draft list a little bit. Someone's got to yeah. play center for this team and do something, right? So yep. who else? Who even is? Who, are, who else do they have at center? Over on Philly. Well, I guess Konechny can play center. I mean, Morgan Frost is someone who should take the leap, but he just hasn't. Yeah. They have. Yeah. I mean, Frost probably will get some opportunity. Um, That's pretty much Patrick Brown. Yeah. They don't really have a lot of options there. (laughs) Okay. So uh, anyways, what are we talking about? Calder here. So it's not going to be Nils Lundqvist. And you think it's probably not going to be Bordalo, Slavkovsky, or, or Shane Wright. Maybe Dark Horse, Logan Thompson. Now we're getting to some real Dark Horses here. Plus 2,500. Uh, another Ranger, or at one point we were talking about him as like basically a former Ranger, just like Nils Lundqvist and Vitaly Kravtsov, but he's back. So he spent a little bit of time back in, in Europe. Uh, now the Rangers are finally going to give him a chance here. Uh, what do you think? How did Kravtsov look uh, over these last couple of seasons when he wasn't able to make the Rangers? And do you think he'll be able to make an impact now? I'm very skeptical. Uh, for people who don't know, Kravtsov was the first round pick in 2018. He's at a, I think, tumultuous is a nice way of putting it in relationship with the Rangers. He's failed to stick with the team on several occasions. They feel like they've given him ample opportunity. He feels like they haven't. But he did play 20 games back in 2020-21. That was one of the weird COVID years, had four points. But he's basically been in the KHL on loan since then, um, basically since 2020, actually, when he was in the AHL. And yeah, he's uh, he's wasn't like amazing last year in the KHL or anything. I mean, 13 points in 19 games was good. He had 10 and 15 playoff games. So pretty strong. But the thing is like that Rangers top nine is, is pretty stacked. And he's someone who, I mean, he's basically been in the doghouse for years. The difference now is that he is on a one-way contract. So they would have to waive him if they didn't like his play and, and risk losing him for nothing. Um, Because if they try to do that, I'm sure someone would claim him. And so, yeah, it's going to be, I know some people are kind of high on him. I just really don't think it's going to happen. I can't see him getting a top six opportunity with all the strong forwards that they have there. I mean, maybe he gets an opportunity next to Trocek. 
I guess that's possible. He is a big physical player, but I just really would not bet on him. I think that he's, you know, a little bit older, which I guess that helps him, but I just think that the opportunity isn't really there. And he has really failed to impress in North America. He has done okay in the AHL. His only full AHL season was uh, back in 1920. He had 15 points in 39 games, which is like, you know, okay, but it's not something that you get super excited about as a prospect. So I have Kraftstoff at 23. I wouldn't waste my money on plus 2,500. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, yeah, it seems like a long shot considering he has, you know, struggled to make the team. But, uh, you know, when you do say, though, that may, they have a lot of strong forwards, like, don't forget, like, last year in their playoff run, it was uh, Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano in the top six, and they're both gone. And I guess the hope, if you're a Rangers fan, is that Lafreniere and Kako are finally jumping into the top six like they hoped they would be by now as players drafted first and second overall. But if both one of them continues to not impress in the regular season then i guess yeah there that could open up a spot for kravtsov i guess since you're the prospect expert of those three sounds like not kravtsov who who would you rather have is like lafreniere still someone that we should be super high on like what, what's your current take on these rangers prospects uh, if you could still call them prospects yeah i guess they're borderline um i don't really want any of them frankly i, I think that kako i mean if he ends up being a 50 55 point player um, with decent peripherals, you'd be happy. I think Lafreniere probably, okay, I would take Lafreniere of those three. I think that he has the most upside still, but I still think he's a 65 to 70 point upside type player. So I don't think point per game is in the cards. I mean, of course, anything can happen with the right deployment and shooting percentage. But I think people were thinking he's going to be like point per game plus, and I, I never really saw that. So I think you need to adjust your expectations on um, Lafreniere. If you if you think his upside is you know point per game, maybe dial that back ten to fifteen points, and then you won't be disappointed when he gets close to that. Right. So if maybe if you're in a dynasty league and you have Lafreniere, maybe now is like your last chance to trade him for like a huge return because people might still be thinking, hey, he's still pretty young. Uh, but if you agree with Victor that it's just not going to happen, then maybe now's your last chance to trade him as someone that's a future point per game player. So if you want to yeah. if you want to take that risk, it's a risk trade him. Way. Trade him and then send me your hate mail when it doesn't work out. <laughs> well, but also let us know who you trade. Don't don't trade him for nothing. I'm talking about trade him for like a big haul because you're treating him like a big star. Uh, okay, so now we're getting to plus 3,000 and we got a couple guys who I feel like, I don't know. And actually, let me even bring up the four, a couple 4,000 guys here. Like some guys who could potentially have good deployment, right? Nick Robertson on the Leafs. So we just saw what Bunting did and the Leafs still kind of uh, like who, like, you know, you think of their depth charts and they obviously are like this like super top heavy team. But when you look at like their stars, you know, they have Tavares, they have Matthews and they have Marner and then they have Nylander. So that's four. There's still two top six spots, right? And it seems like Bunting is probably going to be with Matthews and Marner after how things went last year. And then who's on the second line with Tavares and Nylander I guess Kerfoot is the front runner but like come on it's kind of boring and he, he he's a solid like third liner so why not give a, a shot to Nick Robertson who I know some people are, are pretty into so I'm curious to get your thoughts on him and also Alex Holtz I see here at 3000 like I remember last year I feel like we talked about Holtz last year and you were I think correct me if I'm wrong higher on him than Dawson Mercer and Mercer ends up making the team and you know had a pretty impressive rookie season, but Holtz was the one who was the higher pedigree prospect, right? So if, if Mercer was able to come in last year and do something, then maybe Holtz could come in this year and do something similar. So I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on both of these guys, Robertson and Holtz. Yeah, well, we can start with Holtz. I, if you remember though, I did say Dawson Mercer is the more complete player and I could see him getting more of a two-way opportunity and Holtz. I mean, Holtz is a shot. That's what he is. He, he kind of reminds me, well, I've made this comparison before. He reminds me a lot of my Mike Hoffman, who has an excellent shot, good offensively, but when the puck isn't around, he's not doing much. And that's the big concern with Alexander Holtz. Does he do enough away from the puck? And I'm sure that's what New Jersey saw. They saw this guy who doesn't do much when the puck isn't near him or in an offensive opportunity. And Dawson Mercer is just an awesome two-way player who makes everybody around him better. And so, of course, they gave him that opportunity. Well, I mean, maybe it seems obvious now, but he ran with it. It did great, obviously. So yeah, hard to argue with the result. But yeah, Alexander holds 51 points in 52 games. Amazing AHL production last year. He was tremendous. He does, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, there's some concerns. And our FHL scout, Matt, who's a Jersey fan, wrote a couple interesting things about him. He struggles to drive play, as you can see in his subpar Corsi and Fenwick. He also makes really questionable decisions sometimes when carrying the puck, skating directly into defenders without properly 
protecting the puck, so creating turnovers for himself. His shot is what his calling card is, though. He has a quick, accurate release, and he can score from anywhere on the ice. So that's the thing that's going to earn him plenty of opportunities is his really good shot. But, you know, just like Hoffman, there's more to the game, right? So you might be relegated to like a third-line role, power play, but not much even strength deployment if you can't hang and you can't handle the uh, opponent's offensive opportunity. So those are the 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 doubts that I have. If you look at hockey prospecting, he has some pretty nice uh, upside still. Uh, he has a comp of Zibanejad, which I doubt that he ends up as good as Zibanejad uh, just because of the two-way uh, potential there. But I do think that Alexander Holtz clearly has top-line potential if you can mask some of his defensive issues. Um, I ranked him 18th because I don't think Lindy Ruff is going to like his all-around game. A plus 3,000, I don't think he's a great bet, but if he can you know, have his, his awards masked, as I sort of have mentioned before, he certainly could score a lot. So maybe if he's with a, you know, put him next to like Heeshear, who's a strong two-way player, you know, can mask some of those defensive liabilities. It, that could work. And then on that top power play with some really strong players, sure, their potential is certainly there. But that's why I have him at 18th, because I have some serious questions about him. Yeah, it sounds like we'd want to hope that maybe, you know, Dawson Mercer is like too good for his own good. And since he's like a strong two-way player, maybe he like goes onto the third line and plays like Eric Howla as like more of a a solid, like, I don't know if you'd call it a shutdown line, a shutdown line that can still potentially score. And then, yeah, like you're saying, maybe if they keep Hughes with Brad and Sharon Govich, then you could like Heesher with Palat and Holtz. Like there's a situation where maybe Holtz could be in a decent offensive opportunity. Uh, but yeah, there's also definitely a situation where he just can't crack the top six because they do have, like I've just mentioned a lot of good players that maybe deserve to be there more than him at this point. And yeah, then how about our friend over on the Leafs? It's been a while since the Leafs have had a, well, it's been a while since we've done, gone into a season thinking the Leafs have a Calder candidate. And so, but I know last year we did talk about Nick Robertson and he ended up not making the team. So uh, do you think things are going to be different this year? I do. And I've often referred to him as Robertson the Lesser, even before Jason Robertson broke out. Um, but that is Jason's little brother. He, yeah, he's failed to crack the lineup a couple of years. Uh, but, you know, to be fair, the Leafs have a really strong forward bunch. And we talked about bunting earlier. He's He was clearly a more ready, experienced player. And I think the Leafs, though, really this year, they want to see what they have in Nick Robertson. He has this year and next year left on his ELC. And of course, they're cap strapped. They would really like to have some cheap production from someone like a Nick Robertson. He was also a point per game for the HL Marlies last year. Yes, he's only 5'10", but he has a wicked shot. It's really tremendous. And the, you know, the, the concern is that as a small forward, he lacks the skating of someone like a Goudreau and a Debrinket. But as our FHL scout, Jeremy, put it, he's a threat to score from anywhere in the offensive zone, both with and without the puck. Teams have to know where he is at all times, or he could make a tremendous pass or rip it home from just about anywhere. I've heard from a lot of the Leafs fans that I follow closely that that uh, have have reasonable opinions about the team, that they think he's going to stick with the team all year. And if that happens with his shot and the strong offensive talent there, he could easily put up 50 plus points, which I think is what you're going to need to win the Calder, maybe closer to 60 at plus 3000. I think that's pretty good odds. You know, all it's going to take, you mentioned that there's a spot, you know, maybe on the other side of Nylander on that second line. What if there's an injury though? I mean, he could certainly, um, Nick Robertson could certainly slide into a really plush spot if, if one of those top forwards ha- had a bit of an injury. I mean, yeah, Alex Kerfoot, I think he might be better than than him at this point. So I have him 13th, Nick Robertson on my list uh, at plus 3,000. That's a, that's a very reasonable bet, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, at this point, you can't really go too wrong. Like, hopefully you're not, uh, you know, banking too much on these, like, plus 3,000 or higher picks. Uh, but Robertson's someone, yeah, watching training camp. Let's see how things look. And maybe he's someone that you'll want to snag at the end of your fantasy drafts, at the very least, if it's looking like he's going to get a top six opportunity. All right, so we're we're past here, the plus 3,000, I believe. Victor, who do you want to talk about next? Well, we have one more guy, plus 3,000, Kirill Marchenko. He's uh, another Columbus player. And he was drafted back in 2018, second round pick. He signed a three-year contract with Scott St. Petersburg right after being drafted. So that held him in the KHL for a long time. But this season, which was his last under contract, he told Scott that I'm not coming back. I'm headed to North America. He wants to be with the Blue Jackets. And that led to him getting 
kind of monkeyed around with, frankly. They played with his ice time. They gave him worse line mates. They didn't give him the best op- offensive opportunities. But you know what he did? He still scored 20 points in 39 games and then eight points in 12 playoff games. So when they needed him, they put him out there as expected with good opportunity. And he did really well. So I think he kind of defied the odds with some of that playing around with his deployment. And I think, you know, as we talked about earlier, the top six in Columbus got a lot better. Goudreau, you got line A a year later, Kent Johnson, which we talked, uh, mentioned 27th. Um, and his professional experience age 22 gives him a big leg up. He looks like a real star in the hockey prospecting model, 53% chance of being a star. He looks a lot in this model, like Claude Giroux, which would be a pretty great outcome. Also comps to like Brock Besser, Dylan Larkin. And I just wanted to mention briefly, FHL scout Jeremy talks a little bit about Marchenko as an offensively gifted player, great hands and vision. Most exciting is his willingness to shoot the puck from anywhere on the ice, left dot, right dot, from the slot, wrist slap, one-timer. He's got all of it in his repertory. Really, really strong offensive player. The big issues are his skating. That might hold him back a little bit. I've been watching some of these uh, rookie tournaments with him, and he certainly is a step behind some of the faster players, but he can keep up because he thinks the game's so fast. The other main worry is that he can certainly spend some time in the AHL, so maybe they want to get him acclimatized to the North American game, which he hasn't uh, played at all. In fact, Elite Prospects has him listed as, be, as starting in the AHL, but you know, training camp will say a lot about that. So at plus 3,000, I think it's a great bet. Maybe Marchenko, maybe he spends, you know, 10 games or more in the AHL, but then gets called up and has a tremendous season in that top six. So I have him all the way at fourth on my list. Again, I like these guys with professional experience, like the KHL. I like the guys that are a little bit older being 22. I think that helps him a lot. And I think that he has tremendous offensive upside. Like there's no reason to play Marchenko in the bottom six. He's not a great defensive player, but he's not terrible defensively like some of the other guys that we've mentioned who really struggle and that's a that's a big hole in their game like he's passable defensively so as long as long as he plays with the they have some pretty decent defensive centers i think that he could be just fine on a line with any one of those guys corrali cylinder boone jenner whatever the case may be so i really like kirill marchenko and as you mentioned elon that top that uh columbus forward group is looking stronger and stronger yeah, man, I was already thinking of getting this Columbus hat. Now I think you sealed the deal. I have to get this hat. Look at this fun team. And yeah, it might be the kind of situation where they, it's we don't think of them as a top six. It might be one of these top nine teams. Or like, I guess it'll be like a, a clear top line. We've actually saw news today. I saw a tweet that Brad Larson said he's planning on starting uh, Goudreau and Line A together with Boone Jenner as the center, that they're going to give a couple other people an opportunity to try out for that center job. But yeah, after that line, you'll have one line with like Voracek and Nyquist and like centered by like Roslovic or Sillinger, let's say. Then you'll have Ros- the other one of Roslovic or Sillinger centering like a Kent Johnson and a Marchenko. And so that's just like two really good lines after that already good top line. So yeah, maybe we don't have to think about it. It's like, oh, is Marchenko good enough to crack the top six? Maybe it's going to be just a situation where the second and third line are kind of the same in terms of total time on ice. So yeah, and I agree with you also. Someone that's a little bit older seems like there's a better chance that they won't have like these like sort of stumbles that rookies sometimes have. Though like you also said, he has to like get acclimatized to playing in North America. But yeah, I think that's a really fun pick. And yeah, those odds at plus three thousand, I'll take that over Kent Johnson at plus twelve hundred because it seems like maybe it could go either way. And maybe Marchenko is even the guy I'd be a little more confident in just because he's you know a little bit older. Fun. Okay. So now we're getting to the real long shots, uh, plus 4,000 and higher. Why not at this point? Why don't you just tell me like which players? I'll let you bring them up and then feel free to talk as little or as long as you want about them, depending on how excited you are. I I guess one guy that jumps out to me right away is Lucas Reichel, just because, again, opportunity. Like Chicago got rid of all of their players, right? So it's like theoretically he could start the season playing with Patrick Kane, which is a very good thing. I still don't know if like that will be enough for him. Well, I'll be curious to know what you think of him just as a player overall. And also like on such a shallow team, even if you're playing with Patrick Kane, like how much can Chicago really score this year? Those are all excellent questions. And yeah, let's start with Lucas Reichel because he is a fun player to talk about. He was the first round pick back in 2020, just finished his first first North American seasons for the AHL Rockford Ice Hogs. And he was really good. That team does not have that AHL team. Sometimes you you look at the AHL roster and you're like, oh yeah, they got a lot of pretty good experienced players. And no, it was pretty much Lucas Reichel driving everything. 57 points in 56 games, over a point per game. He also represented Germany internationally and did really well there. 
The reason I'm a bit low on Reichel, though, is that I watched him a bunch in the AHL, and I really trust our lead scout, FHL scout, Caleb, on the matter. And the thing is, like, he's very fast, and he has pretty good NHL skills. All of his skills are good, but nothing is really elite or above average. So I see him as more of a middle six option. You know, strong two-way player is going to be a pain in the butt to play against. He's going to drive play, but I'm just not sure he has that finishing. He has it in the AHL, but he's one of these guys when I look at him and I just say, that's not an NHL goal. That's not an NHL goal. That's not an NHL goal. So I'm a little worried that he can't translate that fully. Now Patrick Kane can do a lot of things and mask a lot of those issues. So as you said, if he plays with him, sure. And, you know, maybe Taves, although he seems to be a shell of his former self. So yeah, Chicago just doesn't have a lot to work with. So I'm a little worried. I don't know that they would load up with him and, and Kane. That might not work so well. I'm also worried because Reichel doesn't have the best bash. So for like fantasy, if you're considering him as a late round option, I'm just not sure that it's going to be there. They might put him as a, you know, second or third liner and just kind of help drive some play, but also they're not trying to win. So like why maybe they'll just have a good top line, get a lot of points and still lose games. <laughs> that might be the the plan. Um, so yeah, Reichel, I'm a little bit lower on having 24th just because of all the things I mentioned. I just don't, I worry about the translatability and the pure offensive upside at plus 4,000. I wouldn't make that bet, even though that's great odds. The other guy, there's two other guys here. <clears throat> Wyatt Johnston is one. I don't think we have to say a whole lot about him. He was taken uh, last year, 2021, 23rd overall by Dallas. He had an incredible season after missing all of the previous OHL season. Wyatt Johnson had a 20, 124 points in 68 games, nearly two points per game for the Windsor Spitfires. It was also not a great OHL team, so he really did a tremendous amount of legwork for that team that didn't have a whole lot of other talent. But he's really young. He's 19 and he's not going to be 20 until May. And so he can't go to the AHL. It's NHL or back to the OHL. And I just don't think he's ready. He has some significant two-way holes in his game. So Wyatt Johnson, I don't think he plays more than nine games. So I have him all the way down at 25th. I don't think he's a great bet. The guy that I do think is a good bet that's plus 4,000 is Simon Edvinson. Simon Edvinson, who was taken by Detroit back in 20. 21 sixth overall and he just put up 19 points in 44 games for Ferlunda, one of the best shl teams as a 19 year old stop me if this all sounds familiar to last year elon a strong shl defenseman who is pretty young but did tremendous in a in a really strong role for a really good team in the shl like Mo Sider is what I'm saying yeah, he had also drafted by steve eiserman <laughs> also drafted by the red wings yeah the thing about Edvinson, too, is that he had over a hit and over a block with two shots in the SHL. He is going to be elite for Bash. He is going to just rack up those peripheral stats. Even if he doesn't score that much, he is going to be valuable. He has a pretty good role model there, too, with most Sider in terms of how to perform to win the Calder. He might have some of that opportunity sucked away by Sider, though. Looking at hockey prospecting, I really think this comp is funny because I remember in his draft season, I called him the Swedish Rasmus Ristolainen because of some of his decision-making. And that's actually the guy he looks the most like in this model, Ristolainen, who's considered a fringe star. And, and we remember all those days with strong peripherals and, and good points in Buffalo. And I think that Edmondson has come a long way with his decision-making. And the thing that maybe holds him back a little bit is that he might start in the AHL. It's gotten a little crowded in Detroit. They made some offseason signings, but I think he's already close to, if not already, one of the top four best defensemen in Detroit, even though he's never played a game in that uniform, which is something I said about Cider last year, and it was more true than even I mentioned. So, you know, who's who's... Who's better than him? Well, clearly Mo Sider, I would say. Ben Chirot, probably. Hironic is probably similar. So he's maybe like the third or at worst fourth best defenseman already on the team. I'm just not sure if the Wings can score enough to be uh, make him a Calder candidate. But I would, I will say this, Elon. I had we had Mitch Brown of EP Ringside on our podcast, and we were talking about the offensive upside and who runs the power play in two to three years and has the most offensive upside. He said it's Simon Edmondson. It's he's going to take that away from Mo Sider. He has better decision making and vision and offensive upside wow. in terms of the shot and everything. Hard to imagine right now, and 
I don't think there's any way that happens this year, but he is that good. And so there's really a scenario where Edmondson comes in and maybe plays on the top power play with Sider, who has a great shot, and maybe Edmondson's more of the quarterback. I could see him getting 40 to 50 points this year and having a back-to-back Calder winner in Detroit. That would be super fun. I have him fifth on my list, and at plus 5,000, I can't imagine a better bet than Simon Edmondson for the Calder. Hey, okay. And also, sounds like with these peripherals, someone you may want to look at in your fantasy leagues, especially if you're in like a categories league that counts hits and blocks. Again, we'll have to see if he makes the team. <laughs> but uh, if he does, then yeah, definitely someone to grab. Or if, like you said, he starts in the AHL, but maybe gets called up at some point. Maybe you need to rush to grab him for those peripherals. You're saying there's points there. I don't know, though. I mean... Are we really like most cider all of a sudden losing this shine? Like I thought we were just talking about this guy as like one of the the best defensemen. Like everyone's so excited about how amazing most cider is. Like isn't he going to get better as well? So I'm gonna I'll be surprised if already like we're talking about someone else is even better. But I guess uh, other people know more than me. I just <laughs> I always just had this assumption that cider is like the underrated one that now everyone's realizing is so amazing. So I got to wrap my head around now the fact that cider is already old news. You're 21, most cider. Get out of the way. It's time for Simone Edmondson, I guess. Uh, so any other guys here? Now we're getting into like the really crazy long shots. Anyone in this list that you think is worth talking about is having a decent chance to, if not win the Calder, then at least do something. Like, well, someone that, let's put it this way, someone that you or I, well, I guess you'll likely talk about these guys, even if they're not in the NHL on your podcast, but on my podcast where I generally talk about just players who are actually playing in the NHL during the regular season. Is there anyone left that you think is going to get a mention as someone we're saying people might want to stream in at some point? Yeah, I think there are three guys that I would mention. Two of them were had odds, and then two of them uh, didn't because he's a little too old. And so the first one I want to mention, I already I already talked about him briefly, and that's JJ Paterka. JJ Paterka, who is was a Buffalo draft pick from 2020, 34th overall. As I mentioned, I watched some Rochester American games because I was really interested to see what Jack Quinn was doing. I wanted to see if it was kind of smoke and mirrors or whether he had really kind of proved everyone wrong, as you sort of alluded to, like everyone's saying, oh, you took the wrong guy and and you should have had Rossi, which I still believe. But what I came away from that watching those games is that J.J. Paterka is a stud and he is an awesome two-way player. He was much more impactful on the game than Jack Quinn by far. I mean, there were times where I didn't even really realize Jack Quinn was out there. If there wasn't a scoring chance or something happening. Paterka's game is so mature. I can see him just stepping right into the NHL and being an impact player. He we we talked so much about Jack Quinn and how good a season he had. Well, <laughs> JJ Paterka had 68 points in 70 AHL games and was over a point per game in the playoffs. He was the reason they went as far as they did in the AHL playoffs. It wasn't Jack Quinn, it was JJ Paterka. And our FHL scout, Danique, mentions a little bit about him too. Great elite skating play driver with hockey IQ and a motor that doesn't stop. In fact, Mitch Brown called his motor elite. He's a dual threat in the offensive zone, great passer and effective shooter, and he projects safely as a reliable, defensible player. He's someone that the coaches are going to love. And that's the thing too, is that when you're a young player, a lot of coaches tend not to like young players. Why? Because they don't give effort on both sides of the puck. They're maybe a little bit unreliable. That is not going to be the case for JJ Paterka. Coaches are going to absolutely love him. They're going to put him out in more situations than he's probably ready for, but he's going to handle it really well because he's just that strong of a player. So I love JJ Paterka. I ranked him 12th on my list because I believe in him so much. I just think that he's going to force his way onto the team and he's going to play pretty decent minutes already as a, as a rookie. So you want me to just go through the other two real quick? Well, yeah, I'll just say that's very exciting. And again, I was already listing some players on Buffalo when I was saying how like it might be hard for Jack Quinn to crack the top six. So now this is another team kind of like Columbus where I'm just kind of curious to see if maybe this is the year where they finally aren't like a joke and like are like an actual team that could do well and like potentially challenge for the playoffs or something, I guess, because we've already talked about power and Deline. So strong D we're talking about all these good forwards, uh, like potentially, I guess we'll see how good Paterka and I guess you're not so confident about Jack Quinn. I guess the goaltending though, man, what are they going to do there? Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie. And then are you into uh, UPL? Do you think he's got a chance to be a stud? He, he's another potential Calder candidate, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that it, there are a lot of people that are excited about Eric Comrie. I mean, I kind of agree with you. I think it's going to be bad. Um, I think it's probably going to be Comrie and he'll be, you know, have some decent times, but mostly kind of struggle just because of the whole team. 
I still like UPL. I still think he can be like maybe a one B in the league, but I think the shine is off him. It, it's Devon Levi in uh, in Buffalo. That's the guy that's going to be probably the long term starter, but he's still a couple of years away. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So who else do you have? That's someone we should have our eye on for next season. Kalen Addison is another guy that I would mention. He's an offensive defenseman whose defensive game has come a really long way. When he was drafted back in 2018, 53rd overall, he was one of these offensive guys. He's a right shot D. He's a little bit undersized, and there was concerns about his two-way game. Well, he played 178 minutes in the NHL this season, and his his offense was good. He had high expected goals, but his defense was well above average, better than 80% of his NHL counterparts. So he's an offensive defenseman whose defensive game has come a long way. He also had 34 points in 43 AHL games in in Iowa, and he's clearly the most offensively gifted D-man on the wild. I mean, if you think about it, you know, there's Spurgeon, of course, but they really haven't had that super high offensive guy in, in Minnesota. And so he's that guy. And and he was also third last season in expected goal differential behind Brodeen and Spurgeon as a rate stat. That's remarkable because those guys are really good. And so this tells me that he's more he's re- ready for more responsibility in Minnesota. And I think he's probably one of these guys that's like a Kevin Shattenkirk, you know, third pairing, but like top power play kind of guy in his prime kind of thing. And so obviously that would be really good with that really good Minnesota power play with, you know, Kaprizov, Zook and all those guys. So I think Kellen Addison has the opportunity, if he gets it, to really run away with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of points this season. Yeah, I mean, it's wild that I still remember a oh, wild, huh? Get the... uh the pun there but uh, i still remember when matt dumba i was like so sure he was like the future stud d on this team but i guess things have definitely changed there and addison uh fun fact he was part of the return for jason zucker back when he got traded to the penguins i think on the podcast we were just talking about galchenyuk for zucker and then there was a first involved i wonder what that first turned out to be i guess i could go look that up i'll look that up while you're talking about your next guy but yeah it's interesting that uh, now kaylin addison could turn out to be the real like prize of that trade if he ends up being as good as you're thinking and yeah the, definitely there's room here on this minnesota depth chart they've brought in like jacob middleton who's obviously more of a defensive guy that could maybe be in the top pairing then aside from that yeah bro dean and dumba and then kaylin addison and alex goligoski makes up a pretty nice uh d depth chart for a team that's going to try to go for it again this year so uh Okay, that's Kalen Addison. Probably not going to win the Calder, but maybe someone you'll want to look at for your fantasy leagues deep down uh, at the end of the drafts if it, if he is actually getting a little bit of offensive minutes and D is hard to come by. All right. I, I know there's a guy that's not Calder eligible that I'd imagine you're going to want to talk about out of, out of Vancouver, right? That's right. And his name is Andre Kuzmenko. He is an import player from... Russia. He was not drafted. Vancouver signed him. He's 26 years old. So since he was 26 before September 15th, which is the Calder deadline, he is not Calder eligible. But we figured we just mentioned him because he probably should be drafted in your league. He he was amazing last season for Scott St. Petersburg, 53 points in 45 games. Before that, he had some pretty good seasons, points in the 30s, which they only, they only play like 60, 55, 60 games. So that's still really good. Um, and I wanted to get a little bit of a closer look and, and take on this. So I asked our lead scout, Caleb, to take a look at him. And he says that his skating is excellent, near elite with good top end speed, very creative with the puck, was near perfect with every backhand sauce pass he saw. Great IQ, high tolerance for forechecking pressure, which is going to be important for him to translate to the NHL. And defensively, he's just okay, not a liability. So he should be really good. Of course, we have to really worry about these guys that play for Scott because it's such a good team and they generally put these guys in a really strong position. And sometimes, you know, it's just their numbers are kind of inflated. So in terms of a comp, Caleb says he kind of sees shades of somewhere between Jeff Skinner and Pavel Buchnevich, which would be nice. Buchnevich obviously doing really well now. And you know, there's uh, there's definitely some high upside there. Could be a really good late round steal. Of course, it depends in Vancouver where he slots i think probably the most realistic position is kind of like a middle six i don't think he's a, a top line forward but the question is does he get you know uh bo horvat or jt miller as a center or is he going to be down on the third line with like jason dickinson or pod and you know those kind of guys and obviously if he gets power play time so i think kuzmenko certainly could you know get close to that 60 ish point which would which is kind of what you look for for a Calder candidate, although he's not Calder eligible. But if you're drafting at the end of your draft as someone who maybe has upside for 70, 
he's a he's a pretty decent option and and probably someone that is uh that not that is not on too many people's radar yeah i'm sure you'll be able to get him in the last round in a lot of drafts if you want to take a swing and maybe by the time you do that draft you'll have some information from training camp like there's been rumblings once again just like last year that maybe they go with like uh miller horvat and Pedersen all playing c on separate lines and if that happens then kuzmenko like does get a really good center uh they brought in Ilya mikhaev in the offseason uh i guess it's out if you're predicting that kuzmenko is going to get like 60 p- points potentially do you think that he has higher upside than mikhaev next year well, it all depends on who gets the power play time. And right. we're probably talking power play two here. I don't think either of them are going to get power play one. I think it depends who plays most of their even strength shifts with Bo Horvat too, because I don't know that either of them are going to play with Miller. But whoever gets more time with Miller or Horvat, uh, it's all about the opportunity. I think they're both kind of even in terms of like what their upside is. It just really depends on who gets that. So it's just something you have to follow at game day lines, right, Elon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep people posted. And obviously, we'll talk about it on the podcast as well. Okay, man, we've talked about so many rookies, and there's still more people that you think might be interesting. Or have we finally uh, scraped the bottom of the barrel here? I think that's kind of the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, there's uh, there's there's uh, so the other guys to talk about. I have other guys on my list. Do you want me to just read them real quick? Yeah, how about you just name some guys, and then I'll let you know if they were people that I thought maybe would have been better. Like, I'll, I'll throw out one name right now. Like, I think Stuart Skinner yeah. is kind of interesting and kind of similar to Logan Thompson, right? Like, I guess, like, he's behind a more established guy in Jack Campbell, but Campbell has those injury troubles, and also he really struggled at the end of last season. So Edmonton is obviously in their window. They need to win. They don't have time to, like, go oh, give Campbell, like, a ton of rope. So I'm sure they'll give him some rope. They just signed him to this, like, big contract. Uh, what was it here? Like, five years? five million a year uh but at the same time i'm not saying but i'm curious no is Stuart skinner good like do you think that if campbell struggles skinner could step in and actually you know earn a number one job or do you think he's kind of someone that probably at his height is more of a backup anyways maybe we'll split the difference and say i think he's closer to a 1b i do think he's a decent nhl goalie Stuart skinner but i i don't really think he's a starter I think he he certainly might be better than Jack Campbell if he if he's like Jack Campbell of the last part of last year where he was terrible. I think that yeah, like you said, there's certainly an opportunity there for Stuart Skinner, and I don't think they'll hesitate to turn to him if Campbell really struggles. I have him 19th on my list. He's definitely the the second goalie that I would put on there. I think he's got a decent opportunity, and yeah, overall, I think he's a serviceable goalie. And and Edmonton, you know, they have gotten a little bit better at protecting their goalies. They're not Toronto, uh, which is why I worry a little bit about Jack Campbell. Um, But yeah, he's definitely someone that I think is interesting. And I would just be a little, I'm a little concerned about drafting Jack Campbell, frankly. I mean, I know he plays for a good team, but I think a late round, depending on how deep your draft is, Stuart Skinner pick may not be the worst thing. Okay, so there you go. And, and if not, you'll probably be streaming him in. Like, anyways, like people always stream in backups in fantasy whenever they have like a good game that's announced. So it might be the kind of thing that one day someone will just get lucky, stream in Stuart Skinner, expecting it to just be for one day. And then news will come out that Jack Campbell has, uh, you know, injury, you need some time off. And next thing you know, you're going to be really happy that you've held on. So maybe if you're like deciding between a couple goalies for a one day spot start, maybe you like bump Skinner up a little bit just because there's always that chance, just because Campbell's older and has that injury history. Uh, all right. So yeah, do you want to just throw out the uh, rest of the names of people that you think at least, I don't know, are worth mentioning <laughs> somewhat that might be in the NHL? Sure. Let me just go through my list too. So um, our patrons have access to all these, but so everybody hears it. I'm just going to go one through 10 and then I'll read the rest. So Maddie Beniers one, Owen Power two, William Mecklen three, Kirill Marchenko four, Simon Evanson five, Kent Johnson six, Marco Rossi seven, Cole Perfetti eight, Logan Thompson nine, Mason McTavish 10. Do you have any comments on those 10? I guess we've already talked through those guys. I think I'm I'm definitely with you with Beniers number one, and I guess I gave some reasons for like some ones over the others as we went. But overall, seems like a, an exciting list for sure. Uh, rem- are you just going to keep going past the ten? Yeah. Okay, right. going. So eleven, Kalen Addison. We just mentioned him. JJ Paterka at twelve. Just mentioned him. Nick Nick Robertson at thirteen. Shane Wright at fourteen. Jake Sanderson at fifteen. Thomas Bordalo at 16, Jack Quinn at 17, Alex Holtz at 18, Stuart Skinner at 19, and the other guy we haven't talked about, Jacob Pelletier at 20. He's a Calgary prospect who lit up the AHL last season, a little bit undersized, uh, former top prospect. And Jacob Pelletier certainly has a strong opportunity to make the Flames roster. And if he does, 
of course, they have some pretty strong players there, and there's some opportunity that has opened up in that top six, right? So there's definitely potential that Pelletier could be probably somewhere in that middle six and get some pretty decent deployment. And, you know, I don't know that he has 60-point upside this season, but he certainly does long-term, maybe even more than that. Yeah, and hey, like, yeah, we just talked recently on a show about how, let's say they go with Lindholm to Foley, Huberdeau line one, then Kadri goes with Manjapani and... You know, like you have to think for a second, like who is that? Second? Kind of like similar to with Perfetti, right? Like that sixth person in the top six. I guess it could be Dylan Dubé, it could be like Blake Coleman, but you know, you know, Mikhail Backlund. Like it kind of seems like Coleman, Dubé, Backlund seems like a good third line. So why not just get Pelletier if he's like this really high pedigree, exciting rookie? Maybe get him started with Kadri and Manjapani and see how they do. So this is definitely going to be something where you're going to want to watch those training camp lines. And yeah, could be a decent situation for him. And I'll be curious to see how that goes. So yeah, okay. And that rounds out your top 20. Yeah. And then I have a, I have a bottom 10 here, which I'll just mention. Yuri Slavkovsky, 21. We talked about him. Kraftsoff at 22. talked about him. Lucas Reichel at 23. Wyatt Johnson at 24. We talked about those guys. And then there's six guys here we didn't talk a whole lot about. So maybe I'll just mention them briefly. Shane Pinto, Ottawa prospect, has played some NHL, but also has had some injuries. The question, where does he fit into that lineup in Ottawa? That's going to be a little bit tricky. Ben Myers, who's a Colorado prospect who was not drafted and played in the NCAA and just came into the Avs. The obvious excitement is that the Avs are a great team and there's some opportunities there opened up with some players that left. So, I mean, maybe he gets great opportunity and puts up a lot of points. I don't see that happening. I think he's more of a bottom six guy. Dylan Holloway at 27, who, you know, has some opportunity there in Edmonton, but I think he's more of a bottom to middle six and I'm not sure he's quite ready. Philip Broberg, who's a uh, Edmonton defenseman who came a long way. You know, he's the, he's the guy that w- was taken right before Trevor Zegers. So, of course, Edmonton fans are super mad about that still because they could have had Zegers and McDavid. And, yeah, that would be amazing. But Broberg, for his own, has has come a long way and looks like a pretty decent middle-pairing guy. Uh, it's just kind of crowded on the back end there in Edmonton, so I'm not sure that he gets a whole lot. And then two Habs, Justin Barron and Jordan Harris. Um, Barron, I think, is someone who is you know, probably has a little bit more upside and maybe he pushes his way all the way to the top of the, of the lineup this season. I just don't think there's enough to work with in Montreal. And, and even though he's a good player, I don't think his offensive upside individually is that great. So he'd need a great situation around him to put up a lot of points. And I just don't see that happening this season. Okay, well, I'm just happy that you have named one player on my dynasty team. So all my hopes are pinned on Philip Broberg to (laughs) prove you wrong. And then Maddie and I are going to be so excited to have a Calder winner along with hopefully a championship team. (laughs) There you go. Man, I'm looking through my team right now thinking if there's someone I could ask you about here. But no, they all uh, are not that great. It's a tradition. You always ask me about somebody, so you have to. All right, well, Daniil Gushin is someone on the Sharks that I've, I don't know, I've seen some good things written about him. Uh, is he, he's probably not going to make the team, but I have like some rookies that I'm excited about like long term. I drafted uh, Marco Kasper and Pavel Minchukov in our Ooh. most recent draft. But uh, now we're talking. Now those guys are exciting. And Kasper is a guy who, you know, Stevie Y, right? We've talked about it. Cider, Edvinson, Marco Casper is going to be the next. Uh, you should all taken him earlier because he's really this good, you know. So I love Marco Casper. I think he's pretty underrated um, and he's probably going to probably not be as outstanding as Cider has been in terms of breaking out. But I think give him two or three years, he's going to be really good. Uh, Gushin, Gushin is a guy. I mean, he needs to play in the AHL, but he has probably, I mean, with Eklund, he probably has the best like puck skills of any Sharks player. He's just small and he's not as good away from the puck. So he just needs to become more consistent, like all around game. But yeah, the potential with Gushin is certainly there. He's, he's a very good offensive player. And um, who was the other one? Oh, Minchikov. Yeah. Pavel Minchikov was, is the best offensive defenseman in that 2022 draft class. The, the issue is that he's just, he's kind of a, an adventure um the rest of the time when he doesn't have the puck so he's not like terrible defensively he's he's not like Jeremy Poirier who just doesn't play defense at all he he's okay he just needs to get a little bit better round out his game but yeah Anaheim also has a bunch of good defensemen with Drysdale and Zellweger and now Minchikov so it might get a little crowded maybe one of them gets moved but yeah Minchikov is definitely it's going to be you know a couple years maybe it's into your rebuild time Elon but then you'll really like Minchikov 
Yeah, or maybe I'll just trade him to try to keep my <laughs> window open. There you go. <laughs> but that would probably not be a smart move. Yeah, actually, to get those two picks, uh, Maddie and I traded uh, Jacob Chikrin. So we decided to actually, even though we're still going for it, we figured we might as well look a little bit to the future, especially getting up against the cap. Uh, we also got Justice Anunin, who I, I guess you did oh, yeah, because Colorado is already... Uh, well, they have Georgia and and Pavel Frenso. So if both yeah. of them are terrible or get injured, Anunin is definitely... Uh, I was really impressed with our um, FHL scout, Cam, who's our goalie scout. He really liked Anderton. He he thought he did really well, even though some of his raw numbers look not as good. Um, when you watch the games, he's got some really good habits. He's a big dude. Okay. So, yeah, Anderton still has, I think, starter upside. You know, probably not, you know, this year or next year because they have the contracts in front of him. But he's definitely a decent guy to have. I'll take that. Okay. And then Maddie's actually in the chat right now telling me that I've got to bring up Topi Niemela. Isn't everyone so stoked about him one day becoming a, a big deal on the Leafs? Yeah, I like Topi Niemela. I think he's he's a good player. And I mean, I think I think part of that is your typical people are overexcited about Leafs prospects, which definitely happens out there right. in, in hockey Twitter. But he is really good and he did really well in, in Finland this season. I was a little disappointed with his World Junior tournament i thought that he would i mean he was like the best defenseman in the last tournament and he he wasn't as good um and i just well obviously there's a lot of people in front of him you know it depends on what they do with rasmus sandin i sure hope they don't for their sake hope they don't trade him but for his sake i hope they do uh, because he's a really good player but um you know riley's not going anywhere lilligren's come a long way um when is it going to be time for topi niamela i don't know so if he gets there and he gets the opportunity, of course, he could be great. I think he's probably more of a second pairing guy. I don't know if he's a full top pairing. And he's he's good offensively, but he's not Morgan Riley. You know, he's not like that great. So yeah, it's possible. He could right. he could really turn out. <laughs> you're 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 being nice. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, I guess uh I don't know if people are so excited about hearing about my middling uh, prospects that you have said that. Yeah, maybe have some good long-term ones. You still have a bunch of... When we started this league, you just decided to go all in on not trying and just like losing and getting all the top picks. And now it's starting to get pretty interesting. I'm I'm curious to see. I guess you're still going to try to lose one more year to go. I'm going to win Bedard. Bedard. Because in our league, you have to win the uh, consolation and I finished last the first two years, but, but ended up with the third pick because I couldn't win a single consolation round. Um, but this year that, yeah, I'm hoping that, I mean, I have Matt Murray on my team, which is funny. Everyone's coming after me and wanting Matt Murray. And I don't know why I would trade him for pennies on the dollar because now he's, you know, he's got a good opportunity, right? This is why in cap leagues, your cap space is a weapon. I took on Murray when no one wanted him and I just, was like, yeah, I'll take him. We'll see what happens. Then he got, then he signed to Toronto. And I was like, yeah, now I have a, I have a great player. I could, I could do what I want with him. I could trade him, or I could just keep him for the consolation playoffs and, and try to win. Yeah. So, this is like I'm your opponent. So obviously, I you'll have to trust me that I'm not trying to like give you bad advice or something. But like. I think you should probably trade Matt Murray because I think he's going to get injured soon and that trade value is going to plummet to the ground. So if you could get like a good first or whatever from him, I think I would just do it now. But maybe I'm just being too pessimistic about well, this he, guy. Well, he does, he does have a big contract though. So that's the that's the issue. Nobody nobody wants to give me anything really good for him because it's kind of a big cap hit, you know? And I can't... Usually you can retain salary in this league, but I already have too many retentions. So if I could retain salary and trade him for a ton, I would do that, but I can't. All right, fair enough. Okay, well, that'll be a he'll be fun to watch here for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. I appreciate you coming on this show uh, for our annual tradition. This has been so fun. Uh, it's been over a couple hours now because uh, for people who have listened to both part one and part two, we just went right away. All that we did in the meantime was Victor ate a sandwich and then we got right back on it. So this has been a blast talking through like 30 plus Calder candidates. And I think I'll be pretty surprised if we didn't nail the winner in one of these. I don't know if we like predicted the winner, but we at least talked about it because that'd be pretty surprising otherwise. Uh, so yeah, Victor, maybe before I let you go, do you just want to let people know how they can follow all of your great work? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was fantastic as usual, Elon. I, I guess the first year I did it with Brian. So this is our, our uh, second time, but yeah, we have our podcast, Jesse and I fantasy hockey life, which, which you've been on and we're great friends and, we appreciate each other. We do. We just finished our our team preview series, which is kind of similar to what you guys do, but we also kind of dig into a couple more prospects and have a dynasty dig and all that. So you can listen to that. And we're also going to be doing some other things with like bringing on prospect guys over the course of the year. 
And so you can definitely check that out. We have a lot of stuff over on our Patreon too, like ranks and uh, prospect. You know, you can see peripheral values and all kinds of stuff like that. And and Elon, we have a league that's inspired by the Cupful that we're calling the Tidy, the Tier Dynasty, which is kind of like a promotion relegation, but for Dynasty. So that's the first year this has happened. If people are interested in that, you can you can DM me and kind of check it out. We're hoping to kind of build something as cool as what you've done with the Cupful, but in a slightly more Dynasty, which doesn't exactly work for dynasty but it's uh, sort of similar and i think it's going to be a lot of fun so we're looking forward to kicking that off this year we did all our drafts and now we're getting ready to start the season it's going to be a lot of fun cool yeah i'm very interested to follow along with that i still don't fully get like how you do dynasty with promotion and relegation but uh, i'm really going to be interested to see after year one however i feel like there's gonna be people who win but like their team and they're like i don't want to be promoted i want to keep my good like uh prospects but I know you guys have put a lot of thought into it. I think it's going to be really cool to follow along and see uh, the world's first ever tiered dynasty league, as far as I know. I've never heard of one before, so it's really cool. And yeah, I love your podcast. Always fun and fun to go on. Looking forward to going back on again next year. I hope that wasn't like me throwing shade, by the way. I just, I'm like genuinely interested, which is good, right? You want to be building yeah. uh, some buzz around what you're doing. Hey, I, I'm skeptical too. I don't know exactly how it's going to work. <laughs> In my head, I feel like that beautiful mind gift, it all makes sense to me. But like people ask me questions and I'm like, oh yeah, that I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not going to be, it's not as easy as a redraft league. Like there are definitely more things to think about. So I think we figured out a really good plan. We have a bunch of people that kind of offered good feedback. I, I think it's going to work, um, but we don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. So people, I guess it's too late for this year, but I guess you'll uh, announce in your podcast when spots open up for, for the next time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- thanks again for coming on. Uh, I guess let's cue that outro music. I don't think I've done that yet. So that that's playing now. So the people listening to the audio version of this. And yeah, thanks everyone again for listening. Uh, we've got more content coming your way as we barrel towards the regular season. Once again, everyone in the Keeping Carlson Alta Patriot Fantasy League slow drafts. You know, good luck. Hope you're having fun and, and doing well. And obviously reach out to uh, all the commissions that are around to help you if you're having any issues. Yeah, hope that's just going smoothly. And Victor, I've got my uh, auction draft with a couple coming in a couple weeks that I need to start uh, preparing for. We'll see if I end up uh, drafting one of these guys we talked about on this episode. Uh, but yeah, I guess until our next show, which will be coming at you in a few days, most likely just remember to do your best to continue the tradition of having fantasy hockey be for everyone bye